Welcome to another quick cap of Complicated Women, a real-time discussion of what we're hearing, reading, and watching. Hi, Kate. Hi, Corinne. Oh, Kate. This episode will air after the holidays, and some people are falling into a slump, maybe a seasonal depression, so we're going to shake everybody up a bit. And this wasn't our this wasn't our intention, but I think that's where this one's going. You I think? do. You think this is I okay. do. This is going to be fun. Let's take them along. Well, for the ride. yeah. There you go. This is what I'll promise you. We're going to talk about anger and rage and snubs and poor choices for a while, but then I'm going to bring it back to love and marriage oh. and relationships. Something else we love to talk about in the world of complicated women. What do you think? I like it. Okay, I I think that'll work. All right. Yeah. So we'll start with the infusion of rage. (laughs) Let's let's just (laughs) get it right out there. That's right. According to the New York Times, rage was a big part of the last decade in literature, both fiction and nonfiction. And you and I discussed this in the Sleeping with Other People episode, that it's not particularly new in the world of books as opposed to TV and movies. And the author of this New York Times piece concedes that it's not really new but she goes on to say but never in such numbers as now and never have they prompted such protracted conversation about what we expect from female characters and why which I thought was really on point because even if it's not new the way that we're talking about all of these women is new she goes on to list books by Lindy West, Brittany Cooper, Gillian Flynn, Hong Kong, Claire Massoud, Alina Ferrante. And given that list, I think it's pretty interesting because almost none, actually none of those books are exclusively angry or rageful. They're often very funny, sweet, sexy, farcical, full of mystery and intrigue. But this anger or rage is an aspect that we don't usually see in women. And it's a complexity that it's part of being a complicated woman as we know or as I like to call them, human beings, right? Right, so, thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, should, it shouldn't be that shocking right. that women also, come in a range of emotions as exactly. well. And through their lifetimes, it's not to say even any one woman that's telling a story in which she felt rage or anger, that that even defines that woman. I mean, I don't think that anger or rage defines me, but have I felt them? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you think the point of rage is. Towards the end of the, the piece, the author said there were two camps. One said that the rage should be supplanted by love, and the other said it's useful and should be harnessed. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on one of those camps. Yeah, well, I... I, I think that the second camp is what interests Mm. me the one about harnessing it and making it useful and you know we talked about this on the episode uh, about Fleabag Mm -hmm. and and a comment that Phoebe Waller-Bridge had about rage and how rage was different than anger because rage had a purpose and and you know we were both I think very interested in that but also surprised I had never really thought of them as two different things Mm. I think if you had asked me I would have said they're synonyms whereas what she was suggesting and what this article is suggesting is that it can be harnessed for a purpose which I want to honestly think more about in myself right because that 
is exciting yeah. then right that that's hopeful that's all right you know what i may feel this way and it may be uncomfortable and it may be overwhelming but what can i do with right. it and i think that kind of outlook on your anger or rage or frustration is is hopeful and so i i thought that part was very interesting yeah i i'm with you i agree i think that's the more interesting aspect of it supplanted by love is good and useful but it's not as interesting right now, especially if it brings with it a denial of the rage or the anger. Um, right. So I think rage personally is very useful for clarity. I think it always helps me get clear on something. If I'm feeling a reaction to something that makes me feel angry or you know, full of rage, I, I like yeah. the word rage. I mean, it's interesting to me, but... Yeah, isn't that funny? It just does sound like a... I like the yeah, word there. Yeah, <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I do. I don't know about you. But I like it because it seems to capture agent and change. It, that agent, change, rage all sort of sound the same. And that's <laughs> a, agency or being the thing that helps you change. I mean, that's that's what I want. So I, right, I like right. that they all feel... Like they're together and that work that right. works for me. Right. It's about clarity. And I think that's why stories about rage or that feature a woman going through that period, you know you're gonna find someone whose life isn't working and then their the rage will be incited and then they will change it and you'll see growth and you'll see clarity and you'll right. see aha moments and and that's what I want to see. That's a rich story. So right, and that's that's why it's so exciting. Yeah. I think to be seeing so much more of that, as as this article points out. But as we've seen, I mean, that's really one of the genesis of this yeah. podcast. Oh and yeah, the, thing, the very thing, of course, that we want to talk about. But but right, I mean, the reason yeah. you yeah said to me yes, let's do this exactly. right is it came out of a moment of that's, rage that's exactly right or frustration with something you were oh it was rage it was rage yeah. it was not frustration it was really I was so angry and it was because what I was listening to went on for two hours that at the rage just kept building <laughs> like this is not something that's going away this is something that I feel they're completely missing out on a whole portion of what needs to be discussed here? And I was like, Kate, we need to do this. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and you hear so many, you know, women in, in Hollywood talking about yeah. that, right? You got Reese Witherspoon. I mean, that the whole reason she started Hello Sunshine and her whole production company and is making movies that she wants to be yeah. in and she wants other women to be in is because she was so enraged yeah. by the lack of real parts for women other than the girlfriend or the wife yeah. right so she tells that story all the time which is out of that moment of rage was born you know clarity and change yeah. yes yeah. yes and change yeah. yeah and and then of course you have to then take the steps to effectuate it but it came from that moment yes. and then look what look what sprung from it it's it's amazing yeah. and and to me the clarity is really the key because I didn't just as I have sometimes some and and frankly for the rest of this episode I'm going to be talking a lot about things that make me angry but I don't really know what to do about it exactly but that moment I had such clarity and I knew 
I wanted to be telling the other side of things. I, I feel like I was listening to two men talk about a movie where the woman wrote, wrote it and there was a female star that was incredible and they were really only focused on the male director and the male star. And I'm like, okay, those things are great. I love those things. But who is going to spend their time talking about the women that are driving this? And that's, that's, was so clear to me. And that what is what I think is so appealing about rage. It's the reason we're here. I love it. (laughs) And I think I've read every book that that was referenced in that New York Times article. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, really? That. I mean, I I should have known, you know, Gone Girl. I knew yeah. you hadn't read that No, I one. think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a few times. Oh, you know, so good. Might be a favorite. So good. All of them. I really enjoyed all of them. Cover. Yeah, well, we can move right into some movies that made me rage for a minute. Specifically, <laughs> I want to talk about two movies, Like a Boss and Bombshell. So oh, okay. at first glance, these two movies have nothing in common. Like a Boss is a comedy about the cosmetics industry that's coming out uh, this month. And while Bombshell came out last month, and it's a movie about whistleblowers who take down the culture of sexual harassment at a conservative news organization. So not really similar, but I've put them together because of a few reasons. They have massive talent, not just celebrity. I'm talking about real, true entertainment talent here. Like a Boss, you've got Rose Byrne, who's so funny, Tiffany Haddish and Selma Hayek. In Mm -hmm. Bombshell, you've got Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie. I mean, this is what we want to be seeing on the big screen. Um, And even even that one, Bombshell has amazing supporting cast. I mean, Allison Janney and Connie Britton. I mean, you're right. uh, Megawatt. Kate McKinnon. Stars. A hundred percent. Yes. My issue is, and I haven't seen either of them yet, but they're both written and directed by men. Yes, yeah. they are. And I'm wondering, how does this still happen? How are they getting these women with real power, with real currency in Hollywood, and someone's not saying, give me some female eyes on this script. Give me some female eyes behind the camera. You know, you don't have to cut out the men, but where are the women like how do you know you're telling this story right now I I have faith in all of those people and their ability to act and portray what what's on the screen but if the stories underneath them aren't vetted by women co-written by women co-directed or something without the woman's perspective in the story aspect this question at least with respect to bombshell was at least raised like should a male be the director right he says that he asked should a woman be directing bombshell what is our collective guilt on the subject of sexual harassment but the answer at least in this in this article we read was the fact the mere fact that he was asking those questions somehow qualified him (laughs) Which I thought, because he has the at least the common sense and yeah. at least some awareness <laughs> of the issue, means that that solves the problem. Yeah. I, I was surprised by I that. I was too, um, and I, I just don't understand. He wants to direct it. Why? Why can't there be a co-director? It, this is not right. out of the realm. Or why not bring on a, a woman to 
co-write the script, make sure the words that they're going to be saying that that matters. Right. I saw that. I, I mean, I do think it's something. The reflection. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, and that Charlize Theron was was a producer. I think that helps. But right. What I found more troubling than that was later on in that it was in W Magazine that interview was how both the writer and the director thought they were best qualified because they come from conservative backgrounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how this helped them. The, the two of them are now liberal, but they have firsthand perspective on the right-wing political world and the excesses that Fox represents. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I thought this yeah. was a story about three women. Like, why right. you're still... What you're saying is you know how to portray Roger and the Fox News culture that's great that's half of the piece the I was just gonna say to your point that's fine to have them because that is half the piece but what about the other half and I and I'm surprised given like you said I mean Theron is one of the producers but Nicole Kim and these are people who like you said they can speak up they have legitimate clout when it comes to how this movie is made and who's involved right so and and you see these things all the time and read about these diversity clauses or inclusion yep. clauses that they want to put into these contracts. Like, where was yeah. that or any thought to that even outside of a contractual obligation? Yeah. Just And maybe it was debated and we don't yeah. know or it was discussed. But, well, I it's don't true. Know. But an early review that I loved about Bombshell yeah. by Linda Holmes, who's a, a favorite of yours, She said, bombshell isn't bad as much as it is just dot, dot, dot off. It's not structured well. It misses the most interesting angles on the story it's telling. And I I read a couple other reviews that were similarly uh, critical. Yeah, but I I think that sums it up perfectly. She isn't even saying it's bad. It seems incomplete, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's no real bond to or perspective of the women. Right. Yeah, what more they could have explored. We haven't seen it, but I'm disappointed yeah, already, which, it's you know, because she's right. I mean, the star power and the clips and the trailer, it looks like something that could be compelling so fun. And, yes. and, and compa- yeah. yeah, this is an issue I've had dating back to um, the Bad Moms movies, uh, who are also co-written, two men co-wrote and co-directed. So co-directing is a thing. I was going to ask yeah. you that. Is that an actual thing? But it is. It is. Okay, two see, men so. directed the Bad Moms movies. The issue I really have with that is it's masquerading as a, you know, we'll get underneath the women, the female psyche. This is their story. Why are their stories being told exclusively by men? That's the problem I have. Right. Now, do I want Quentin Tarantino who I am actually a, a fan of, as controversial as that may be. Do I want him to have a, a co-writer that's a woman or a co-director as a woman? No. But I also know what I'm going into when I see his, when I go to his movies. Exactly. I'm going exactly. to actually get an accurate picture of someone who does not, you know, care about women, who, who positions them in certain p- ways that are not empowering. That's what I know right. I'm getting. That's something completely different. This is supposed to be a movie yeah. about the Me Too movement <laughs> and and the 
current issues that women face in the workplace, not just out of Fox News. Right. And, and, you know, how they feel as if they can't speak about that, the ramifications of coming out and talking yeah. about it. I mean, that's the whole point of this movie. You're absolutely right. That's This is not a Quentin Tarantino Exactly. Movie. So if you're going to do that and you're going to put all these women and their faces on a billboard, then please make sure the story that they're telling and they're acting out and and we're watching has a woman's point of view. We were looking at that Ava DuVray article, mm-hmm. and one of the things, points she made was, it is laughable and absurd in 2019 right. to suggest that there aren't women yeah. out there that can do yeah. these jobs, yeah. that it, or that they're just, they can't find right. them, or whatever. I mean, so it's it can be done. Yeah. I mean, she's a great example of making sure it's yeah. done, and because whole point like you're saying is because we don't do this just to do it it's not again it's not a token it's not to check a box it's because the different perspectives matter and when it's a movie of this subject matter a female perspective should really fucking matters i guess if i want to put a positive spin on it we're certainly moving in the right direction right but these are the things I want to be talking about these are the things I want to be pointing out because I don't know that everyone's looking at these factors I will say though both Charlize and Nicole Kidman had great quotes in that piece um, yes that that focus on things we love to hear I think it was Nicole Kidman that said we want to tell complicated stories about women and that's very difficult the world likes clear-cut winners and losers abusers and victims but reality is not that simple it's always a little dangerous to give a predator any measure of humanity. But to get at the problem of harassment, you have to understand how he could manipulate these women. Yes. I had huge asterisks next to that. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what I'm thinking is if that sentiment and those kind of yeah. thoughts come out through it, then I'll be happy. And Charlize, I love the nuance of that in our film. We don't tell the story of perfect victims of Fox. We try to tell the story mm-hmm. of messy emotional dynamics messy. between boss and employee. In Bombshell, our monsters don't always look like monsters, which is how it is in real life. Also love that. I mean. Oh, so yeah. true. Themes. These themes. Yes, are on point. Are definitely <laughs> yes. on point. Yes. So should we talk about maybe some of the women who should have been directing this, who had some oh, of the best perfect. female directors of 2019 that have unfortunately it sounds like been snubbed at the Golden Globes. Yeah, this is yet again an age-old problem that seems to infect Hollywood in these award ceremonies. The Golden Globe nominations, there's a noted absence of women in both the Best Director and Best Screenplay categories. And just for some context, which is very sobering, um, in the 75-year history of the Globes, Women have only been nominated seven times, but only five women, because Barbara Streisand and Catherine Bigelow were nominated twice. Um, That's what I was going to say when you said, yet again. I'm like, yet again, you mean for the 77th time? (laughs) Literally. And and (laughs) so, so, and the, just, so we're not picking on the Golden Globes, in the 91-year history of the Oscars... Only five women have been nominated for the director honor. And so, and it said, you know, that means of the 355 total directing nominations awarded over the years, women were included just 1.4% of the time. Now, 
in fairness, because I'm sure if someone fact checks yes, this or yes. wants to be wants to be argumentative, to be fair, there aren't that many female directors, mm-hmm. right? So you're not starting with a large pool to begin mm-hmm. with. But that's also sobering, right? Because in 2018, the stats are that women accounted for just 8% of directors working on the top 250 films. And that's down from 11% the previous year. And if you go back to 1998, so now we go back 10 years from the that 2018 mm-hmm. figure, women comprise 9% of the directors. So it's actually, the numbers are going oh, down. Geez. So it's yeah, but just, do you think that's because crazy. they're doing TV? That might be. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's possible. Yeah. But still, this year, if you just look at fine, whatever the history right. was, let's just let's just focus on this year where there were so many strong options. I don't care what happened in the past. Don't tell me there aren't women that right. could have been nominated right. this year, right? I mean. Melina Matsukis for Queen and Slim, mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig yes. for Little yes. Women, and um, Hustler Hustlers, ahead. yeah, uh, which got a lot of buzz. Uh, the Farewell, also A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, all of them the directed. Oh, a Booksmart, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Atlantics, all of them directed by women. None of them nominated for big awards. No, exactly. And Greta Gerwig, I mean, she. At, was snubbed the prior year by the Golden Globes for Lady Bird. She then did get an Academy Award nomination yes, for which Best Which I have a feeling the Academy will yes. happen again. It, they have. I mean, yeah. they do this after the Golden Globes. They're going to have to respond right. to some of that backlash. Right. So I guess my question is, why do we think this is? That there are so few women directors, period, let alone being nominated for the awards. But I mean, I did read an article by Mariel Heller, the yes, one who did mm-hmm, A Beautiful mm-hmm. Day in the Neighborhood. She was talking about the grueling hours. Mm-hmm. Typically, a, on a on a movie shoot, you'll do 16 or 18 hour days. And much like women in corporate America right. who struggle with balance yeah. if they have a family. Yeah. And she has a four-year-old. And she said she thinks that that's why a lot of women are not sitting in the director's seat and that on a beautiful day in the neighborhood she changed the way a movie is shot Mm. she did a 10 or 12 hour day which by the way is also long but she would do it and start at eight and end by six Mm -hmm. or and she made sure that and you know her point wasn't it's not just for me right you know we want everybody not just yes other people have families Exactly. And it's a I want more women to have all these different roles in making a movie. But also she also said I also thought it would be very ironic to be making a movie (laughs) about Mr. Rogers and taking care of children and leaving all abandoning all our kids at home so that we could work till 10 o'clock at night, which I thought was funny. But, you know, so it's it's funny because, of course, in corporate America we talk about that all the yeah, time but, but here's she's right it's the same similar it issue is a similar issue but here's the difference though and both of us being in corporate America know this very well it's relentless at least through the movie yeah. shoot I would leave for six weeks but to do it all the time is every yeah. 365 days a year or at least somewhere close to that which is really what's required at the top of corporate America a, a film is a is an isolated period of time and 
you can right, kind of fair. suffer through it. I don't know. I'm not inside the world, but I would, I would wonder if it's something like mentorship. There's not enough men willing to, to mentor women because they're the ones who have been doing it for so long. It's so funny too, because I was reading an article about uh, Reese Witherspoon, you know, in her production mm-hmm. company and somebody asked her why, you know, she executive produces a lot of these things, but she has no interest in being a director. Yeah. And she was kind of describing the the different roles. And since I'm not in Hollywood, you know, I, I kind of generally know the yeah. difference between a producer and a yeah. director. But she said, you know, I like to be the producer, sort of the chief creative officer mm-hmm. kind of and give the direction. Whereas the director is like the general, right? They're, they are sitting in the chair, making sure the trains run on time. And, and she goes, and believe me, I can do that. But I it doesn't interest mm. me. And I thought that for women who... I'm making a generalization here, but are really fucking good at making sure the trains run on time, right? Like being a general and keeping like a schedule and being organized and making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing is like our daily life. Like, why are there not more women directors? Like bossing people around, telling them what they have to do, where they have to be. Isn't this what we do right. every day? Like it seems, it seems so suited, well suited exactly. for a female <laughs> in my view, right? I hear you. Yes. Yes. I don't know. Maybe that's my next There you career. go. I love it. We'll be <laughs> the writer director team. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And that's why I said at the beginning, I, I don't really know what to do with some of this stuff. Whereas I had the personal clarity when I wanted to start this podcast and start talking about these things. I don't really know. I'm not in Hollywood. I don't know what the best way to, to attack it is but I hope talking about it is the way to a solution that actually works yes because we need more material for this podcast yeah exactly and we've talked about it. it's not so easy to find you know blockbuster yeah. movies that meet oh, our no. criteria no, 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 no. right no, no. so then let's as promised lighten things up, move in another direction, an equally important direction, talking about love. I don't know what you're talking about. So what? this is exciting <laughs> okay. for me. I'm like, I'm like okay. a listener on the podcast. I'm like, where are we going with love? But I, you know, I love the okay. topic. Well, even bigger than love, it ties back to the female directors. I watched the finale of The Affair. Oh, Okay, yes. let me say mm-hmm. here. Which, um, just listen, what you just said, The Affair. We're talking about yes. love. Yes, <laughs> well interesting no spoilers no spoilers here so if you haven't seen it wherever you are in the watching the show there's there's really no spoiler here you're talking about the, the very end of the entire the series, last episode right? this, of the affair right. ever and there are mm-hmm. spoilers there are lots of them but I won't give any away on this I know you haven't seen it I know probably lots of people haven't quite seen it yet but in it the oldest daughter of Noah and Helen, their oldest daughter, Whitney, is getting married. I, I really don't think that's a spoiler, so I hope no one <laughs> thinks of it that way. No, I, I knew yeah. that. The last episode really takes place around her wedding day. So there were two clips that I am going to play that really spoke to me and I were in line with this podcast. The first one was a conversation between Noah, the father, and his son is trying to write something to say to his sister on her wedding day and he's struggling and so Noah sits down and sort of has a a talk with him and and this is what they talk about I just don't know why anyone would want to marry my sister Martin Ted come on she's a lot Whitney is a lot yeah that's what makes her great when I get married I'm going to choose someone much easier 
and you're welcome to choose whoever you want, but you may change your mind in a few years. Your sister's really smart and passionate and believes deeply in things. And yes, yeah, she can be a little dramatic, but she's going to keep his life really interesting. I get from where you're sitting, you know, she seems like a lot of work, but I think you realize as you get older, the person you want to live with is not, is not the one who keeps telling you how wonderful you are. It's the one who you just can't stop talking to because you've no idea what she's going to say next. I think calling up pretty lucky too, you know. You should say that. I loved that moment between a, a father and a son, and I believed it. It was, yeah. yeah. It's the opposite of the when Harry met Sally low maintenance conversation, right? Right, right. I love that she's a lot, and and he's like, yeah, damn right. And that's she what is. makes her and great. The, and that's amazing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It reminded me of your quote. In when Harry met Sally about how when yes. you marry a complicated woman, yes. you get many, many different <laughs> yes. women and you will not be no. bored. And I feel like Noah channeled your yeah. speech. You were like, <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. And from Noah of all people. And again, I haven't seen all these um, seasons, but I've seen enough yes. to, to know that that sounds like Noah has definitely progressed. Yeah. Well, I think he might have said lots of women can make your life interesting too but um <laughs> but it is clear that he's always been attracted to very complicated women Helen yes, and Allison both mm-hmm. um complicated I love the last line what you want is someone who you can't stop talking to because you have no idea what she's gonna say next that's like yeah. that's who you want to spend your life with and I was like yes mm-hmm. it, yes yeah. exactly yeah. And I've said that before to people, by the way. Like, I know I'm a lot. Yes. You know? And I don't say that anymore in a bad way. Now I say it more as like, like, yeah, I'm a lot. You're you're going to love it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm a lot. And you get a lot. But I apologized for it a long, long time ago. But I was like, whatever. Who cares? So what? I'm over that. But also, I don't know. To me, it's just the two sides of the same coin. I am a lot, but you're going to get a lot. And it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of interesting and great conversations and adventures in yeah. life. So, yeah, you're going to have to deal with the a lot that you don't like, but you'll get. Yeah, now what? you're like, I'm a lot. You're yeah, welcome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Basically. And it's going to be good and it's going to be bad, just like everything else is. So, mm-hmm. so. I loved that moment. I thought it was really great to have up on the screen. Again, this episode was directed by Sarah Treem, the creator of the show. And I'm going to convince you someday that we need to do something that we feature her uh, for what she said, because she is just such a phenomenal woman. And I'm in. Yeah. And then the second is a little bit longer but it's so interesting because we have Helen the one of the main characters right. and then her she's first talking to her daughter Whitney and then later her mother comes in so it's what would we call this one though loving and uplifting like, like the, <laughs> well uh, so this one seems a little more depressing okay, to well me. see I was going to go in a different direction but we'll oh. we'll talk about that after I play the clip yeah but, let's play it so it first starts with Helen, played by Maura Tierney, and Helen's daughter, Whitney, who is the bride, played by Julia Goldani Tellis, 
who I did not know was uh, Brazilian and Mexican and a classically oh. trained ballet dancer. <laughs> who knew? I did not know no. that. She looks like she could be a ballet yes, dancer, but I did not part. know any yes. of that. And then later on, Helen's mother comes in and, and <laughs> has more to say. So I'll play that here. I do not want to have the same relationship with you as I do with my own mother, but I don't know how to avoid it right now. You could try listening to me for a change. That would be a you fun start. No, you don't. You listen for what you want to hear, and that's not the same thing. I don't, uh, I don't understand what you mean. Okay, right. Ask me a question, one that you don't think that you already know the answer to. Are you in love? I think so. You're not sure? No. Why not? I don't know. I'm not obsessed with him. I've, it's not like you and Dad. I, I don't think about him all the time. I don't wonder if he's okay. Sometimes a whole day goes by and I just forget about him. And does that worry you? No, it doesn't worry me, Mom. I'm not like you. I want my marriage to be the great adventure of my life. Is that what you think I wanted? Isn't it? Peekaboo, it's almost time. Are you ready? What the hell is going on in here? Whitney, for God's sake, get your shoes on. God, your mother is so useless. I should have known when I sent her in here to help you get ready that absolutely nothing would be accomplished. Okay, Grandma, look, I'm ready. See? Stand over there so I can see. What do you think? I think she looks perfect. She certainly looks better than you did at your wedding. That's something. Grandma? Is that what you're wearing? Wow, you are really in rare form today. Helen, I've got 60 people in the backyard, including some shifty hooligans masquerading as musicians. It's a band. They're Whitney's friends. It's 42 degrees outside. Your father has already wandered off twice. He's currently tied to a chair. The chef just locked her key in that catering van and can't get the croak and boosh out, and the dog seems to be dying. You don't have a dog. I didn't say I had a dog. I said there is a dog on the property that seems to be perilously close to its final demise. How's that for an omen for my granddaughter's Girl, wedding? shut the fuck up. Wait, it's okay. No, no, it's not okay. She's a fucking mom. Yes, I know, but she's our monster, okay? So you just go outside, take a couple of Xanax, have a drink, try to have a good time. Everything is under control. Wit, you look beautiful. But even if you didn't, you know, it doesn't fucking matter. Because this is really just one incredibly expensive day that has absolutely no influence or augury or bearing on the rest of your life. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's that? It's, um, Whitney's band. Oh God. There's a lot to talk about there. You could certainly go with the, oh God, mothers and daughters. But it is a right. lot. I mean, Helen does ask Whitney, are you in love? And what do you yeah. think you're going to get out of this? And what do you expect? And does that worry you? And yeah. It, oh, I thought her answer to her mother about how I'm not like you yeah. and, you know, was very insightful you did. and, okay. and self-aware mm. of this girl, no? Yeah. To realize that, like, maybe love and marriage means different things to different yes. people. And for you, mom, <laughs> it looked like, and this is her interpretation, it looked like you were sort of Obs obsessed mm -hmm. with dad. Mm -hmm. Right? And, yeah, I like my my husband-to-be, yeah. but there are whole days that go by that I don't think yes. about him. Now, maybe that's not so romantic, but I think... It's interesting just to see the different perspectives. Yes. And her view is my way is healthier, probably, mm -hmm. than your way, right. Mom. But 
whatever. I, yeah. I, maybe that's just sort of a younger generation not viewing marriage in the same way as an older generation. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I don't know. I just think it's a personality thing or a, or a choice, yeah. right? I think anyone in any age group could, could feel one way or the other. I, I actually know someone who's of similar age to Whitney in, in real life who is a hopeless romantic. So I just think it's probably more accurately a response to whatever you've seen in your, like whatever's been modeled for you. Right. And Whitney knew. Which is why Whitney, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whitney's like, I'm going in the whole other Mm -hmm. direction than you two. (laughs) Mom and dad. But what what about, what about you? I am a Helen for sure. I do see marriage as the great adventure of your life. Like, do you? Tell me why. (laughs) This is so fascinating. Um, I, I don't that because that's really romanticized right there that kind of that that sentiment yeah well yeah well (laughs) or is it adventure because yes that's ups and downs and there's okay okay I got you and that that you're gonna go through all of it and it's gonna be good and it's gonna be bad and it's gonna be challenging and sometimes going through those challenges are what you know just like any I, I don't know, long distance runner or mountain climber will tell you. I mean, you have to prepare for it. You have to be ready for the worst. And when you go through the really hard stuff, it makes the good stuff on the other side that much sweeter, that much more impactful. So I I, I definitely agree with that. My husband and I were just talking about this because we've both sort of recently pivoted in our careers and right. we've almost swapped roles, like certainly in our family, but even also with me going more independent and him being more in the corporate culture. And right, we've right. pivoted and we're, we've been remarking how we've done well on both sides of things. And right. we both attribute that to our relationship and the dynamic relationship we have and that ability to change and you can take more risks outside when you feel really stable and secure inside, right? right? Like at at home, no matter what happens, we are there for each other and we we are figuring it out. No, that I, yes, that to have that kind of relationship where you know that it's still going to be okay, even if things, like you said, flip or whatever. No, I I completely. Yeah, and and it's not only support, which which is really important, but like we are, in it with each other you know I talk to my husband about what we should talk about on this podcast and I I float by angles I know everyone he works with (laughs) I know you know all of his issues and and struggles and and I I completely advise him I'm like you need to back off on this you need to be harder on this yes I mean we are in it with each other so I don't yeah, mean no, to say. I know. So, I, I'm pretty sure my husband's tired of me asking questions about the yeah. podcast. But plus, we get mad when he gives yeah. answers, <laughs> when he gives his input. But I, I certainly get it and yeah. ask for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, it doesn't have to be. It's not the this idea that love is the only thing in our lives. Like my husband and I are not like staring at each other with googly eyes every night. But no. But do I think my marriage is the most fundamental? And the great adventure of my life, 100%, because nothing else would be possible without it. I think Whitney's thinking, I, 
I don't want that to be my everything. And then that fall apart, my, you know, yes. my and then that fall yes. apart. And then I have nothing else. And for her, from her perspective, that's what happened with her mom right. and dad. Right. Right? right. And if you make it your only adventure, and I'm not saying what you yeah. were just describing is that at all. I'm just going back to these characters. Yes. I think for Whitney and what she's seen, yeah. that was a pretty, uh, I don't know if I want to say logical, but, but I think that that makes sense from her sure. perspective of what she's sure. seeing. And if, and there are people who make, I guess that's my issue. Like there are people who make it everything and have nothing yes. else. And I don't, I don't and I know yeah. you don't like that yeah. either. And so that was my only bristling with that kind yeah. of thought. Like it's, it's an adventure and it is a great adventure and you're right nothing else would be possible and your children yeah, wouldn't be yeah. and all of these mm -hmm. things are all wrapped mm -hmm. up in that but it's not your only no, thing no it's not the only thing defining I, you and i know yes, it's not about yes. you so but yeah i liked her comments about you know mm. how a wedding is just yes. like it's an overpriced <laughs> awesome. day or expensive day that has no bearing i i think it holds true that that one day is so overblown and not that you shouldn't do it, but that you should just be aware of that. You know, if you want to go have a big, huge wedding and go crazy, that's fine by me. But just right. But I do ask people this a lot, like who friends of mine, would you do it yeah. again? Meaning knowing what you know now, would you have a big wedding oh, or hell whatever? No. Or would you? No would one, it, yeah, no one would. Exactly it's so I, I always say hell no. <laughs> exactly but there are every once in a while there's someone that's like well i liked it but i'm like oh yeah. my god please yeah. like forget it yeah but i don't think i could have chosen any differently then. no no of course but, not not at right, the time exactly so uh, that's why i and don't have any problem and i'm sure i will offer my children <laughs> money in lieu of like yeah let me a lot of people yeah. do but you're but right no one them. at that time yeah, yeah. because i yeah, would understand yeah them wanting it because right. I wanted it too but you know they were very frustrated in that moment in the scene oh, and I think everyone can yes. relate to them just losing yes. their shit and being like just, just let's just do so, this you know yes. let's just and the generations and the not wanting to repeat what your mother's mistakes and oh my gosh this is the pendulum of of family right you don't want to become your parents regardless of I might want to be exactly like say your mother or you might want to be exactly like mine but anyone who's the daughter doesn't want to be their own mother and it and then you have the point in your life where you're like oh my god I'm becoming my mother oh and, completely yeah. and it's not even like I'm becoming like, I am for me personally <laughs> I I have yes. been in so many yes. ways my mother for so long now there are ways where I'm like okay let's uh, don't be like right. that but but I yeah it's it's inescapable it is. really it is. yeah but also you think in this scene like we're saying you think ahead to how much your relationship and marriage is affecting their views yes. on marriage right I mean yeah. and and no matter what you think you're doing well or not well yeah. or whatever they're interpreting and taking in yes and, and that will become part yes. of their views on on relationships yeah. and again you may we may all think we're trying i think to model something yeah. loving and healthy but who knows yeah. I mean, yeah. no but well <laughs> she might be yelling at you one day yeah, like on her yeah. wedding day like this was unrealistic or this was ridiculous or i know no, yeah, I you, know. Or you made me think this was yes. possible. And that, I, don't, I mean, I don't yeah, know. No. 
We're all just trying our best. That's right. <laughs> now, I won't say any more, but lots of things happen in this season and in this episode that feel like that sort of bring back the first season and how the story all started. I was really, I was really impressed. I was really impressed. Yeah, with I have a couple friends who've watched this from the beginning to the end and and really, and a couple of seasons in the middle were not no, happy and whatever. Yes. But it, I seem, at least from my small polling, that people are pretty happy with this. I, yes. And you know with series finales, everybody's got... Opinions. Nothing's ever right. right I, you know, I but, thought it was perfect. I wouldn't have expected anything else. Because here's the thing. If I told you, like, X, this is what happens, I might have not really been happy about it. But when you watch it, it's really earned. They got they, it right in the end. They definitely got it right. Must be all those women writers. Exactly. Women write. I mean, <laughs> I, I follow Sarah Treem. I don't know if you do, but on Instagram. And she is just doing it right. I mean, she's got women there. They have their kids there. Her oh, wow. writers are like talking about how they're breastfeeding while they were doing it. And it's not just her writers it's all like crew I, I follow quite a lot of them from the affair and uh, it just seemed like the most wonderful place to work for a woman so on that all show. right so so the, so it is possible yes. as, to bring it back to yes. what we started and by this the way podcast and also on. to the point of where do they come from Sarah Treem directed this episode but she, that was the first thing she ever directed and she was a writer. She's trained in playwriting. People with a vision can come from many different places, not just NYU right. film school or something. So, This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you loved this episode, please leave a review. And if you hated it, email us. We want to hash it out. Love us or hate us, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And keep it complicated.